everyone. We are Rena and Dara, and welcome to Fertility Forward. We are part of the wellness team at RMA of New York, a fertility clinic affiliated with Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Our Fertility Forward podcast brings together advice from medical professionals, mental health specialists, wellness experts, and patients, because knowledge is power, and you are your own best advocate. Jenna Jaffe is a mom and serial entrepreneur. She and her wife did reciprocal IVF for both of their kiddos, her wife's eggs, Jenna's oven. While Jenna is a lawyer, she came to learn that her wife, Jordana, would have to adopt the kids in order to be considered a full legal parent. Realizing that most people, and even lawyers, didn't know this was an important step in the parenting process for a lesbian couple, Jenna created a business to help educate the LGBTQ plus community. Her new business, Connecting Rainbows, is an organization that helps those in the LGBTQ plus communities start, grow, and protect their families by offering legal and fertility resources. They provide a directory of attorneys, fertility clinics, and legal and fertility resources. And they also provide a lot of extra information. You can find her at connectingrainbows.org. We are so happy that you are here today to share with us all about Connecting Rainbows Rainbows and how it got started. Thanks for being here. No, thank you for having me. So take us back. How did you initially get started with Connecting Rainbows? I mean, we got to go back a long time. (laughs) We're going to travel way back to when I didn't have kids, I guess. So I'll share my fertility, my fertility story, if uh, that's kind of where it starts. So my wife and I both had a desire to get pregnant and and carry our children. And my wife is three years older than me. So, you know, the thought was, okay, she'll go first. We'll use the same donor and we'll do IUI. And we just naively thought it would be that easy and we'd each have have the kiddos and all that. Well, my wife has serious anxiety and going off of the medication to get pregnant just was not good for any party involved. So, you know, kind of put a, a screeching halt to that. And, you know, I said to her, like, look, why don't I get pregnant instead? You know, well, and then we'll kind of regroup with you. And she said, you know, like, look, if I can't get pregnant, it's too devastating to give up a biological child and a pregnancy. And I said, well, why don't I carry your eggs? And I didn't even really know that was a thing then. Like it was, I don't know. I mean, I knew of surrogacy, so, you know, had to be possible. And, you know, after like a few days, she was like, this, this sounds perfect. It sounds amazing. You know, her, her one sister said to her, Hey, if I could delegate pregnancy, that would be like the greatest thing ever, you know, still get the kids and, you know, not have to be pregnant. And so we kind of switched gears and went back to the clinic and started all the testing on me. And turns out I needed to have surgery because I had a cyst on one of my ovaries. So then that kind of delayed things. Then went through the egg retrieval and did a transfer and ended up with our son. So fast forward another almost two years, we were going to go in for baby two. The plan had been that I would do IUI with the same donor, but we had these two frozen embryos and I just viewed them very differently now that we had our son. And I realized that, you know, biology didn't mean anything anymore to me. Like I didn't need a biological child. So we went in for an embryo transfer. The first embryo did not survive the thought and the second did not take. So now we're back to square one and we decided to do another egg retrieval. So go in, 
they can't even see my wife's ovaries because she had a fibroid that got so massive that they needed to remove her uterus. So <laughs> she gets a partial hysterectomy. They kept her ovaries so that we could get her eggs. In the interim, we decided to try IUI just because we wanted to move the process along. Three failed IUIs later, we ended up back at another egg retrieval with my wife's eggs, did a transfer, and now we have a daughter. <laughs> so very long-winded answer of we shared this whole journey on social media. So I have a social media business and it led to a lot of questions about the fertility journey. And then we shared how we had to go through something called second parent adoption. So every state, I need to say, every state is different in how the laws work and what you need to go through. But for the most part, if you are a, les a cis lesbian couple the and you go through reciprocal IVF or even just IUI, the mom that gives birth, the parent that gives birth is actually considered the legal parent. The one who does not, even if they are the genetic parent, they are not considered the legal parent. They actually need to go through an, either a parentage judgment process, depending on the state, or a second parent adoption, or it's sometimes called a step parent adoption process. So my wife had to adopt her own biological children in order for us to be considered the full legal parents of our kids. And I want to say that this is across the United States, across the country, it doesn't matter where you are, the birth certificate is not enough to prove full legal parental rights. I will repeat this and like until they change the law. And so I shared this on social media and people started freaking out and saying to me, hey, well, my lawyer said, you know, that it was fine. And I was like, well, your lawyer is wrong. You know, I came to learn that a lot of lawyers don't know what they're talking about when it comes to a same-sex couple that is doing fertility treatments and stuff like that. Not because there are any ill intentions, it's just that it's a very niched area of law and there's a lot of misinformation out there. So I decided to create my own directory of attorneys who specialize in family formation and assisted reproductive technology. And then very quickly that grew into a major organization that has the fertility resources and surrogacy and a blog and a vlog and all of that, just so that I can ensure that my community is taken care of. Because it's one thing to be competent in your certain area of law. It's another thing to also be able to work with the LGBTQ plus community where the laws are different. Sometimes there aren't even any laws at all. And so, yeah, that's where it came from. <laughs> wow. What an incredible story um, and an incredible thing to come from it too. Thank you. So your it's community, you have like a list. So if I had a patient in New York who said, I need a lawyer, I would say, you know, go to Connecting Rainbows. They have this whole great database. And do you have people for kind of all over? Yes. So we currently have 40 states and we have Australia and Canada. So we have two provinces in Canada, mm -hmm. but Canada you can, is pretty much just federal. Like you can, you know, you can work with anybody from any province for the most part, but we have, yeah, 40 states are covered at this point. Actually, we might've had 41 now. We're, we're constantly growing. This is only um, a couple months old. So, you know, been really just like digging deep and getting in there. But yes, the hope and the goal is to cover all of North America before we really start expanding. <laughs> and Jenna, you're a lawyer yourself, aren't you? I am. I'm a business lawyer, though, so I don't do this type <laughs> of law at all. But but that's what's I think that that is what is so amazing about this organization it is really every piece of me. It's the lawyer, the gay, the fertility. It really just encompasses all of who I am and in ways that I want to help people and especially my community. 
And I always wanted to be a doctor, but I didn't want to go to med school. So now I get to like play in the <laughs> the medical field, you know, pretend that I'm a fertility doctor. <laughs> so is this a passion project for you and you have another job? Like so, of this? so I have three businesses that I run. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Two of them are really very part-time. So I have my own law practice. And I've had that for seven and a half years, actually. I have a social media business and now I have Connecting Rainbows, which has turned into my full-time business. Oh, wow. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Very unexpected and unintentional. (laughs) Isn't that the best when when it comes just naturally that way? It is. You know, I'm reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert right now. And she talks about how all throughout our lives, there are little... There's just little waves of inspiration that come and you need to take, when it comes to you, you need to run with it or it will go find someone else. And I really truly feel like that happened here. I had this idea and I just ran with it. And I, again, originally just wanted to create this tiny little directory of lawyers. And that was it. Like that was my whole plan. I'm like, I'm busy. I have two young kids. I had a baby during the pandemic and I have these other businesses. Like, what am I, you know, but the universe had other plans. That's incredible. And you really just rolled with it. And, you know, we talk a lot on our podcast about how it's so amazing to meet other people who got into this line of work, you know, wherever they're at sort of in the fertility space because of a lack, because they went through it themselves. They saw there was a lack and then they created something to make it better for the community. And that's exactly what you've done, which I think is so inspirational. Yeah. I mean, I think that when it comes to, you know, same-sex couples, especially having growing their family, it can be overwhelming. Like we don't, you know, a lot of people don't even know where to start. And I get questions constantly about sperm and, you know, conversations I never thought I would be having. What clinics do I go to? What questions do I ask? What are the types of treatments that I can have? You know, and, and being able to firsthand share my experiences with, you know, IUI and reciprocal IVF and, you know, choosing a donor and now having the conversation with our son about having a donor. And we actually just connected with donor siblings and, you know, just kind of sharing that openly with other people has, it's been amazing for, for both, I think for me and for them, you know, I had other people that I followed on social media when we were going through the process and I found it just so helpful, even if I was quiet and, you know, in the background and just observing. And, you know, I feel like that's kind of now my, my role of giving back. You're really paving the way for, yeah, for this untapped area that I think people are really, I'm sure interested in and really to get that support that that hasn't been there before. And it's what I'm still shocked with is that there's so much misinformation out there and that it took your situation to really realize that there wasn't there there was a there was a hole that was missing for so long. So if you were feeling that way, I'm sure so many other people have felt that too. Yeah. I mean, this all really started in October when Amy Coney Barrett was nominated to the Supreme Court. I put a post out on my personal Instagram that said like, hey, LGBTQ plus community, here are some things you might want to consider putting into place to protect yourself. God forbid something were to happen. And it was, you know, wills, power of attorney, healthcare proxy and adopt your kids. And that post was shared thousands of times. And that's where all these questions started coming in. And 
it's funny because my dad was the one who was like, you should tell people about this. Like the, the, all like the estate planning stuff. So I have to like give a shout out to my dad, you know, to just kind of talk about that. And I, I think, I feel like that was kind of the catalyst of getting this idea kind of rolling of, wow, people really don't know that this is something that you need to do. Yeah, that was a scary time. I remember when that was happening and people were shocked that, you know, what you wanted to do in terms of just, you know, fertility laws. That was insanity. Yeah, that was wild. (laughs) And I think that people started getting a little, maybe not lax is the right word, but they're like, oh, well, Biden is in office now. It's great. But people don't realize that there's separation of power here, right? Like we have the executive branch, we have the judicial branch, you know, they don't work together in a sense, you know, like the Supreme Court could, could overturn gay marriage and Biden can't change that. Like he can't change that unilaterally. And so it's, we still do have to worry about the Supreme Court and the things that, that could happen there. And that's kind of why I was saying like, Get these things into place now because they can't retroactively take it away from you. If you adopt your kids, even if like, God forbid, they were like, gay marriage is over and like gays can't adopt kids. Like you already have that. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that's going to happen, but you know, like God forbid something were to go wrong. If you have this in place, like you're good. So would that be your recommendation to any couple? Because I certainly know plenty of couples who they didn't take that step. They just felt like we don't need to, whatever. Yeah. You know, would that be sort of your strong recommendation from a legal perspective that you really need to move forward with the adoption just to protect yourself? Either an adoption or um, some states allow for a declaration of parentage, like a parentage judgment. You want a judgment from a court that you are both the legal parents. And if the judgment is enough, then you have no right whatsoever to the children. So it's, it's questionable. It really, it's going to be questionable based on where you live. There were two cases recently in Michigan where they said, no, this other mom is not the real mom. Now the one lost on appeal and they were, you know, they, they sent it back and they're like, no, 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 no. Like you gotta, you gotta recognize this. Like there's always obviously certain facts of a case, but you know, there've been cases where, you know, people have gotten divorced and cut, there's custody battles. Somebody, you know, if there's a death, are the grandparents going to come and say, hey, no, these are my biological grandchildren. I'm taking them. You know, there are things that, that happen, have happened. There are things that still need to be adjudicated. I mean, in New York, you know, as you guys know, there's the new laws, which um, really have opened up parentage for, you know, the LGBTQ plus community and allowing paths to parentage in a much easier way but it still does, you still get a judgment to just protect yourself no matter what were to happen. Death, divorce, travel, you know, anything like that. What other recommendations would you make if someone came to you and they were kind of just starting out on this and feeling super overwhelmed? You know, are there any other strong recommendations you would make either from a legal perspective or just, you know, from your own personal experience? Yeah, I think that a great place to start is getting a will, (laughs) you know, just like have something in place. It can be something super basic. Like, I don't even care if it just says I leave everything to my partner and my partner leaves everything to me, like something basic just from the beginning, because God forbid something happens during pregnancy. You want to make sure that there's something in place. If you're going to use a known donor, like a known sperm donor, you need to see a lawyer first before anything happens at the clinic. Because that otherwise that donor actually has parental rights. There's things that you just don't even think of. 
So I think that, you know, like ask questions, like we have, you know, on um, my website, we have blog posts, we have vlogs, we have information just to provide, you know, education around certain topics. Um, but always, you know, feel free to ask, ask questions, email, email me, email a clinic. I always say to people that like, when you go to see a clinic, you're interviewing them to make sure that that's a good fit. This is a very intimate and emotional journey. You want to make sure that you know, wherever you're going feels like a good fit. Go talk to five clinics if that's what you need. Talk to four, five lawyers. It doesn't, you know, just to make sure you have all the information you need up front because the last thing you want to do is, you know, have to handle something, especially legal stuff when you're in a crisis. And you set such a great platform to make it easier for people to find that information and get the help and the guidance that they need. Um, are there any specific topics on your blogs, your vlogs that you find super interesting for people to hear about? I think, I mean, I think that the, the hottest topic is the oh. birth certificate issue, which we talked about that, like, why is a birth certificate not enough? And then more recently, things that I've been talking about personally are just the sperm donor issue of, you know, using an open donor versus an anonymous donor, using a known donor. We went through a sperm bank ourselves and we chose a donor who is open, meaning when our kids turn 18, they can, you know, reach out to the cryobank who would then connect them with the donor. And we found some donor siblings through, there's a sibling registry. And so we've been kind of navigating that process. And so that's something that I've been talking about on my personal Instagram right now. And so that's definitely been a hot topic of, you know, people wanting to know more and kind of swaying their decision, whether or not to use a donor, who a known donor, so that the children could have a relationship from the beginning, if they so choose, or maybe it's, you know, kind of making them rethink using an anonymous donor for us personally. And it's such a personal decision. We didn't feel like it was our right to keep the donor from our children. If they so chose to connect with him later in life, which we hope he, which we hope they do. I'm like, I want to meet him and thank him. And so that's been a newer kind of um, very personal, but hot topic that I've been kind of talking about. And I'm interviewing a therapist next week who deals specifically with all things fertility, but um, does a lot with donor stuff. And it's going to talk about like, how do you talk to your children about where they came from and donor siblings and all of that. And I was like, it's a very self-serving interview. <laughs> of like, well, how do I talk to my four-year-old about this? I think that's great. And I think, you know, certainly something so many people have questions about um, and, and, you know, really have a, a tough time navigating. I think it's so important to get professional help because how are you supposed to know? I have no idea. <laughs> well, good for you guys for, you know, being prepared and, and asking. And, and it's so brave to sort of share this in real time, you know, with the world as you go through it. Yeah, it's not for everyone. <laughs> for sure, being so open and public. And, you know, you, I get a lot of negative comments and opinions. But for every one of those, I get 100 other positive ones. So for me, it's worth it. And again, as I shared, you know, people paved the way for me. When we were going through our journey, you know, I was following other lesbian accounts that were going through fertility treatments. And it was just so helpful to see um, people who were a few steps ahead of me, kind of what to prepare for and what they were going through and then being able to kind of connect and commiserate over <laughs> our own journey. So, yeah. That idea of, of giving back, getting so much out of your 
your personal journey and then giving back to, you know, paving the way for, for people down the road, I think is, is remarkable. Thanks. It's fun. I, you know, for the most part, it's, it's a positive experience. Obviously you're, no matter what you're sharing, you know, you're going to get people who don't agree with you or have their own opinions, but you know, I think that most things don't bother me just because I don't believe in the things that they're saying or they're just ridiculous. (laughs) So well, good for you. And what an amazing resource and community, it sounds like, too. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any idea of where this will take you down the road or what you would like to see work-wise um, with, with, your, with Connecting Rainbows? You know, I mean, this whole idea is really from New Year's of this year, 2021. And it is it looks so different now in May than it did back then that I cannot even predict. I, (laughs) my hope and intention is that I would really like to have a team right now. It's just me handling a lot, a lot, a lot of things. (laughs) I really want to expand it. I want as all the resources as possible to, to be able to help the community. I'm looking at kind of um, collaborating and forming partnerships with other similar ish organizations you know, just to to spread the word and help each other's communities, which has been really fantastic. It's great. I think that a lot of gay organizations are very, like, we believe we have such a similar mission and we believe so much in the cause that, you know, it's really collaborative um, and very supportive. So it's really, really great. I just want to help as many people as I can. And again, this will always be a free resource for my community and to just, you know, provide them with information and guidance and support wherever they are. You know, it's not only fertility. I share coming out stories and transition stories. And, you know, I I do want it to be a platform for that. Um, No matter what part of the alphabet you're a part of, the LGBTQIA, P2S, Plus, you know, that, you know, you come and you can find a story that you can relate to. But again, since it's just me right now, it's (laughs) hard to build out too much too quickly. But yeah. Well, that's amazing. What an inspiration and great community. And we're so happy to have you on and be able to share this and spread the word. Really, really wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. So we have, we told everyone where to find you, connectingrainbows.org. And what is your Instagram handle? So my business one is at Connecting Rainbows Org, and my personal one's on there too. <laughs> you can Wonderful. find it from there. Yeah. We are thrilled to have you on. And how we close out our podcast is discussing gratitude, what we're grateful for today. So Jenna, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful that this morning I woke up extra early and actually got a lot done to the sound of the birds chirping while my children slept in for the first time in a really long time. So I literally had an hour and 45 minutes to myself this morning to have a hot cup of coffee and get some work done. It was glorious. <laughs> I love it. It sounds, like, it sounds like a simple pleasure, but I fully get it. That rarely oh. happens in my household. No. No, my, my daughter slept until seven and yeah, it was just, I, I intentionally set my alarm last night. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get up early. I want to try to get something done. And my, I, you know, I was like, maybe I'll get 45 minutes to myself. And I had an extra hour. Like God was like, I got you. <laughs> it's so good. Some found time. That's the best. Oh yeah. Rena. 
I am grateful for, I will say, community today. Just community and having people to share anxieties with and, and people to help me, you know, get centered when I need centering. So I'm going to go with community. I think community is really, really important. So having a community to help you get centered and sort of organize your thoughts when they're going all over the place. I want to piggyback on that because what I had initially in my mind was with support, support in this whole space. And I feel like having this podcast has been such a great platform for us to not only get the information out to people who really can use it, but it's been very helpful and supportive to myself personally. And it's helped me, I don't know, it's helping with my own personal journey. And it's so nice that we can all be there to, to help each other out and learn from one another, make great connections and spread what we know and help uh, other people help us. So it's great. I love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Any sort of parting words? We'll put, you know, all your social media on our Instagram, everything so people know where to find you. Oh, perfect. Perfect. No, thank you for having me. I, I hope wherever you are in your journey, it goes smoothly and know that the bumps in the road are, are really there for a reason they're guiding you. And, you know, I always share that if it wasn't for the negative test after negative test after negative test, we, I wouldn't have my daughter today and it would have been a different baby. And I know I would have loved, but like, I can't imagine my life without, without her. Oh, how nice. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. And always remember, practice gratitude, give a little love to someone else and yourself. And remember, you are not alone. Find us on Instagram at fertility underscore forward. And if you're looking for more support, visit us at www rmany.com and tune in next week for more Fertility Forward.